it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. I'm just going to come right out and say it. Black women are being used as pawns in the Democrats game again. Excuse me? I just said it. This whole circus surrounding Katanji Brown-Jackson is being done as a show. It's being done as a show. Because now we're not talking about gas prices or inflation or the wide open border or the Democrats' plan to remake the economy, affirmatively furthering fair housing, the Green New Deal, China. We're not talking about any of these things. It's Republicans are racist. This was designed. Designed for this purpose. And I don't know if if Katanji Brown-Jackson is feeling in some small way that part of it. It's obviously been her dream. I've watched her speak during this confirmation process about her dream of being a judge and a lawyer and what have you. And, you know, much like... uh, People that get into government, obviously, everybody sees themselves in some way as the president. You know, nobody dreams of, 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 you know, that's what a big dream is. If you're a judge, your dream probably is to sit on the Supreme Court. If you're an athlete, your dream is to, you know, win a gold medal or hoist the Stanley Cup over your head or wear the belt from the U. whatever it is, whatever, whatever the thing is is the dream of everyone involved in whatever it is we're talking about. So I don't know if she's concerned or considered that. But it's obvious that's what this is. We know that Stephen Breyer didn't even announce his own retirement. He he didn't even... He didn't even announce it himself. It was done for him. It was almost as if he was pushed out. But at my last reading, he's not even really stepping down for several months. He's waiting for the end of this current Supreme Court term. So why now? Well, it's obvious. It's obvious what they're doing. And the Democrats want, they want a long, protracted confirmation fight. So they could take it as close to the midterm election as possible. But everything's off the table right now, except for the accusations. You can't stand up and say, I'm picking a black woman. And any questioning of this nominee is a question about a black woman, even though you said you were picking a black woman. Now, I already saw. And it made me look back and I'm looking at a piece from Time magazine from five years ago. Exactly five years ago, actually, about the fight over Neil Gorsuch. And Chuck Schumer said any nominee who does not get 60 votes in the Senate is not qualified. It's not qualified to sit on the Supreme Court. Now, Judge Jackson may get confirmed. It's most likely she's going to get confirmed. She's going to get all the Democrats, and already Romney 
is out there wagging his fingers saying these attacks on the SCOTUS nominee are off course, at least according to Business Insider. But what attacks? I mean, literally the Democrats sat there and accused Brett Kavanaugh of being some alcoholic gang rapist. And that was okay. And as you have people like Ellie Mistel at MSN, well, they're trying to get her killed. No one's trying to get her killed. By, by telling, you know, the radical left that this nominee is a drunken gang rapist who preyed on women, that might endanger that nominee and his family. You know, and there was no proof of this. And we watched the circus with Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Amy Coney Barrett was portrayed, was given a religious test, essentially, by Senator Dianne Feinstein. And nobody said, well, wait a second, that's clearly anti-Catholic bias. She also didn't get called ACB, so now we're on to that. KBJ. Oh, yeah, it's the notorious KBJ. Can we stop that? See, this is the thing. This is another thing. I've got audio. I'm going to get into this um, Time Magazine piece. My friends over at Breitbart have an interesting breakdown of this school that she sits on the board of directors of. There was a warning, and I, I forgot who the Democrat writer was, and he warned people about the whole notorious RBG thing. He said, the cult of personality, and I'd have to look it up, the cult of personality that that kind of surrounded Ruth Bader Ginsburg, nobody ever thought she should step down because of her age and her health. They looked at videos of her exercising and, you know, sort of put her in this on this pedestal and she ended up dying at a very inconvenient time for Democrats. And you realize the Constitution doesn't actually say a Supreme Court justice sits for life. But he was worried about this sort of, you know, pop culture-esque cult of personality around Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And the same, same thing is here. It's already started. If you want to make her cool, well, then that opens her up. I mean... Again, do you you want men opining on her appearance? Do you? No, you you probably don't. Now, she's not an unattractive woman. I'm I'm just saying, if you start to open this door, pretty soon we're not really talking about legal qualifications anymore. Is she hot or not is where we end up. So let's not do the whole KBJ thing. I am surprised. I have to say this. I am surprised that none of the angry blacktivists have any question about her Caucasian husband. I mean, here she was. She said in her in her in her uh, opening statement that she's the second person uh, in her family, only the second person in her family to ever go to college. Her father attended the University of Miami Law School. Not too shabby, by the way. And she met a man who's sixth generation Harvard. I mean, does anyone call that white privilege? Is that white privilege? Sixth generation Harvard? That's that's a lot. He's a uh, he's a doctor. 
But she went to Harvard with the hopes and the, the hopes and dreams of the you know young black girls everywhere, and fell in love with a white guy. Now I have no problem with that. I could care less. Couldn't care less. Whatever the proper way of saying that is. But I'm surprised we haven't heard that become a thing, an echo, if you would, a, a ping from the far left. Wintick six ninety five Patriot nine five seven two eight seven four. Before I get to audio, real quick, this is interesting. I was looking back on this this morning. Headline, Democrats say Supreme Court nominees 60 votes. Is that true? And this is from March 27th, 2017. The fight over Supreme Court nominee Neil Gorsuch isn't just over whether senators will vote for him. It's also about how many votes uh, he needs exactly. Now, let me put a carrot into this. There was an article from this time on the CBS News website, which I didn't even bother pulling. I just read it. And the, there was questions like, how does the Supreme Court nomination process work? And one of them, one of the questions was, how many votes does the nominee need? And the answer from whatever 21-year-old girl uh, intern that wrote this for CBS News, it said, a simple majority is needed because Republicans nuked the, major- the 60-vote majority. Mm, well... You have to add in a little context there. Remember Harry Reid and the nuclear option? That, 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 that's, you can't just say Republicans nuked it. There's a, there's a little bit more history there. But that brings us to the interesting point here. Led by minority leader Chuck Schumer, some Democrats argue that Gorsuch needs to get 60 votes to overcome a filibuster and be confirmed, which they claim is the historical standard. To my Republicans, friend, Republican friends who think if Judge Gorsuch fails to reach 60 votes, we ought to change the rules. I say this. If the nominee cannot earn 60 votes, a bar met by each of President Obama's nominees and President, Bush, President Bush's last two nominees, the answer isn't to change the rules. It's to change the nominee. Again, remember, remember, it was Harry Reid that started this. And we all said, you're going to come to regret it. You're going to come to regret it. Republicans counter that the filibuster was rarely used in the past and point out that two justices currently serving on the court were confirmed with fewer than 60 votes. Judge Clarence Thomas by 52 in 1991 and Sam Alito by 58 in 2006. Now, this is what's even more interesting. Constitutional experts say both sides have a claim, though the Republican argument is the stronger one. Fights over cloture votes, which require 60 votes to end debate, have rarely happened for Supreme Court nominees. The Washington Post counted just four cloture votes over Supreme Court nominations in modern times, most recently for Alito. But even though it was routine, justices still had to clear the 60-vote threshold to get the up or down vote. You can describe this practice in different ways at University of Virginia law professor John Harrison. They're each emphasizing the part of the picture they want to emphasize. For now, the fight is mostly theoretical. Democrats do not yet have the votes necessary to successfully filibuster Gorsuch, although a handful of blue state senators have joined Sumer in saying they won't vote for cloture. There are 52 Republicans in the Senate, so it would take only eight Democrats to join to end the filibuster. Even if Democrats succeed in filibustering Gorsuch using a precedent set by Democrats, there it is, in 2013, Republican leaders could trigger the so-called nuclear option, changing the Senate rules to end the practice for Supreme Court nominees. Now, you might be saying, well, wait a second, Andrew. Uh, Are they going to come to regret this with 
Katanji Brown Jackson? No, for two reasons. I'm sensing she's going to get 60 votes or darn near close, and she's not changing the makeup of the court. Now, with that said, that does not mean that asking her questions about cases she's been involved in is racist. And now we're now we're getting now we're getting that anyone who has questions about cases that she ruled on involving pedophilia and child pornography is QAnon stuff. No, it's not. That's very important, and I will tell you why before I play the audio of this back and forth between Senator Mike Lee and Dick Durbin, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. As we speak, there is a movement in this country to redefine pedophilia as a sexual orientation, to make it not criminal, to make it protected. I will say this now that I'm with the Salem News Channel. You can still see the episode. The most viewed episode I did on Blaze TV was on this researched and footnoted using the New York Times' own reporting. There is a movement which is splitting the gay rights movement. There are many gay rights activists, to their credit, to their credit, who say we draw the line at children. Now, that's getting muddied right now in Florida, right? That's getting muddied in Florida. So I I hope the sensible gay rights activists prevail in this one. But it stands to reason that we could be looking at a future Supreme Court case with Ketanji Brown-Jackson on the court where there is a question about whether or not pedophilia is actually criminal Or is it a protected sexual orientation? Whereby which people may be prevent, there may be laws regarding sexual encounters between adults and children. But if it's treated more like a mental disease rather than a crime, this can have profound effects on how we deal with pedophilia in our society. And she would be able to cast a vote on this. So it's relevant. Play cut four. And here's the point. Most of this information was published in the Washington Post five days ago. All right. This is not confidential information. When the Hawley attack on the judge started, we requested more information. The White House did and then shared it with us within the day. And you now have the same copy that we have in the story. Is it fair for you to characterize uh, Senator Hawley's questions or the questions raised by any of us as an attack? It's not a personal uh, attack. This is a a, a, a legitimate question regarding our sentencing regarding the most heinous crimes imaginable. Oh, come on. So these are legitimate questions, Mr. Chairman. Don't call them attacks. Well, I can just tell you, I have characterized them is attacks and other things as well. I think it's pretty clear what's going on here. And now you have all the information we have. Okay, so, so to question the judge concerning cases that she ruled on, where she may have gone light on sex offenders, to question that is now an attack. I want you to listen. I'm going to skip. I'm going to come back to this, but I want to. I want to skip past a few of these other. Questions. Of course, we're going to get to what's a woman, Marsha Blackburn. 
Uh, excuse me, uh, Judge Jackson, what time is it? I don't know, Senator. I'm not a clock. Can you, um, can you play cut seven? I guess my thought is in looking at some of the testimony that other people will have later in the day. I was surprised at some of the testimony with respect to the motivation of offenders, and we're talking about child pornography offenders, and that there are people who get involved with this kind of activity who may not be pedophiles and who may not be necessarily interested really in the child pornography, but have other motivations with respect to the use of technology and being in the group. And you know, here are lots of reasons perhaps why people might engage in this. And so I'm wondering whether you could say that there is a, that there could be a less serious child pornography offender who is engaging in the type of conduct in the group experience level because their motivation is the challenge or to use the technology. They're very sophisticated technologically, but they aren't necessarily that interested in the child pornography piece of it. Now, now I find that a, a pretty remarkable argument that people in possession of child pornography are not actually interested in the child porn. They're not pedophiles. They're just interested in technology. She didn't answer that. She affirmed that. You mean asking her more specific questions is somehow a question of race or gender or off base or an attack? And apparently Mitt Romney thinks so. I'm going to get into that when we come back. But she's likely to get confirmed. I could see Romney voting for her, Collins voting for her. I think in the end, even you're going to see you're going to see very few Republicans voting against her. But the idea that she shouldn't have to go through the confirmation process where senators who represent the states, we the people, we elect them to hold this court. And when I say that, I don't mean she's on trial. I mean to make it public what it is we're getting ourselves into beyond her race and gender. You can join me live on the Will Count Majority Monday to Friday, noon to 3 East, 9 to noon West on Sirius XM Patriot Channel 125.